and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Top Dog Talk podcast. I'm your host, Harris Arino. That is my co-host, Dan Kiley, back with a special edition, episode 50. Guys, if you've been with us since episode one, I want to thank you uh, for joining us, as always, on this Thursday evening, a little different. Um, I, had, I was out of town Tuesday night, um, and we had to uh, kind of adjust on the fly, call an audible, and we got a special edition coming up for you. We had to change some plans, um, our original plans, um, kind of uh have changed we've had to go with the flow um life gets in the way of things for everybody um just like it has for me so i want to thank you for joining us tonight dan how are you doing tonight i'm doing well i'm excited and i think we're gonna have an action-packed show i'm excited for episode 50 obviously we wanted to have our robo lump conversation tonight but like you said life gets in the way we will move it to another day i promise you we won't disappoint we're gonna have a great show Absolutely. And since it is SEC Media Week, or, well, it was SEC Media Week, uh, as I'm sure it has come to a close um, since it is 7.30 on the East Coast. Dan, we got a lot of news to talk about, a lot of headlines to talk about for the most part, because there's a lot of talking points. Um, and to kick off the show, uh, I just want to, before we kick off the show, Ruse, Jeremiah, thank you for joining us. Anyone else in the comments, let us know that you're here and tuning in. Dan, we got to talk about the Georgia-Florida rivalry. I know it's not football season yet, but hey. We're coming up in fall camp. It's about to start. It's about to get real. SC Media Day for me is basically the start. It'd be a long process of what I what we all call the football season, college football season, the best time in the world. So let's get right into it. Georgia, Florida rivalry, Dan. Everyone's talking about where this rivalry should be located, where this thing should be played. Since 1933, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party has been held in the city of Jacksonville, Florida. Since 1933, only twice has the game not been played in Jacksonville those two times in 1994 and 1995. It was briefly held in Gainesville and in Athens, respectively, as part of a home-and-home series. Now, as, you know, it approaches uh, the end of its contract, which ends up, um, which I think runs through the 2023 season, um, which would then um, have a two-year option to extend it through 2025, would leave it up to the two schools, Georgia, Florida, and the city of Jacksonville, as to whether or not this rivalry will stay in Jacksonville. Kirby Smart spoke on this subject um, Tuesday, or um, I mean Wednesday, excuse me, as part of the SEC Network's SEC Now coverage, where we joined Tim Tebow, Laura Rutledge, and a host of others, um, where they got on the topic of this, Dan. Um, and he said, and I quote, when Auburn plays Alabama, guess where the recruits are? They're at Auburn. When LSU and Alabama play, guess where the biggest recruits won't go? It's an opportunity for us to bring these kids who fly in all over the country. What game do they want to see? They'd like to see Georgia play Florida, but they can't do that. Obviously, talking about the game not being in Athens and Gainesville year to year. Um, and I think it's well known. Ever since he was hired after the 2015 season, Kirby Smart wants to move this rivalry game. No matter the history, no matter you know how historic and great that environment is, he wants to move it away from Jacksonville and in you know to a home-and-home home series format. So, Dan, I want to get your take on you know, on, on the whole rivalry, does the rivalry need to be moved? Are your peers in the sense that it should stay in Jacksonville or are you up for a little change? Well, you have to approach this from two separate and completely different angles. One would be from a fan's perspective. If you're a fan and you're only thinking about your own self-interest, then keeping the game in Jacksonville serves that purpose because it's a, it's a vacation built into every dog's fan's schedule 
It's an opportunity to go. Now, listen, I don't enjoy Jacksonville all that much. All that much. It's kind of the armpit of the South. Um, there's not a whole lot of great things that come out of Jacksonville. And if you're from Jacksonville, I don't, I'm not really sorry. It's, it's, it's not a great town, but I've had some amazing nights there. Um, <laughs> there are plenty that I do not remember. Uh, there are plenty I remember quite well. Uh, I know that that long ride back from Jacksonville and the, uh, was it Lee Smith song or well, I can't remember, uh, Corey Smith song. Yeah, that shit's true. Like, that's a long ride back from Jacksonville when you just got your butt whipped, okay? So there's a lot of, like, going to Amelia Island, hanging out there during the week, and then driving over to Jacksonville. Um, you know, the landing used to be the place to go back in the day. I don't even know if that's still there because I haven't been in so long. Um, but the game in Jacksonville has a lot of uh, a pomp and circumstances. I mean, everybody knows what the world's largest cocktail party is. They don't think it's a dinner in New York City, okay? They don't. They know what it is. And – uh, there's a lot of people who love it, okay? However, if you're going to approach it from the angle, if you're a real Georgia fan that you should, um, is does it benefit your school for that game to be there? The answer to that is no. And Kirby has been on the top step of every courthouse in America yelling at the top of his lungs to get that game the hell out of Jacksonville because selfishly, he wants that extra opportunity to recruit. And his point is valid that a game against the University of Florida at home is a great tool to recruit top talent. So from a selfish perspective, which if like, again, going back to it, if you are a true fan of the university, then what benefits the university is what you should support. And what Kirby has told you time and time again is getting that game on campus is going to be more beneficial to him. Okay. So if we're supporting our school and we're supporting Kirby and that's what he wants, then that's what needs to happen. However, again, I, the, the argument that it's a fun trip and all that stuff, that that's valid. Okay. Now, you know, I, I've heard the scenario where it, it's um, a four city rotation where it goes Jacksonville, Florida, uh, UGA and then the bends and then, you know, rotating like that where you have alternate sites, because if you think about it, um, the stadium in Jacksonville is about the same distance from Gainesville as Atlanta and Athens. So it would work out that way, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, to be completely honest at the end of the day, I don't care where the game is because more than likely I'm not going to go anyway. Um, because I have a family, I'm go. I mean, listen, I don't mean. I mean, I would love to go to every single Georgia game, but right now my life doesn't allow me to get to the games like I once could. So I'm not really frustrated that the game's there and I can't go because even if it was in Athens, I probably wouldn't be able to go anyway. Now that my son's getting older and my daughter's not cheering, uh, you know, there's an opportunity for me to start going back to some football games. So from that perspective, it doesn't affect me where the game is. But whatever, I, I think we've come to the conclusion that what Kirby wants is good for the program. And he's shown you that time and time again. So if he wants it at home, by God, bring it home. Absolutely. I think, you know, the, the advantages of bringing it to a home and home format is undeniable. Um, you know, Athens and, and Gainesville, like, it, you know, I think it could elevate the rivalry in some ways where, you know, kind of like LSU and Alabama, everyone's going to want to go see that, you know, who, in October, biggest game, some of the biggest games of the college football season are played in October. Georgia-Florida is one of them. Yet, you know, 
I, I understand Kirby's point. What's the point of giving these kids tickets? Because, I mean, you can do it. As a coaching staff, you're allowed to give a certain amount of tickets to recruits to go watch these games, to go watch Georgia Ford play, even though it's neutral site. But what's the point? If they're coming in from California, what's the point when they just go to the game and, and, and really don't have time to go talk to the staff or go hang out with the team afterwards? You know, it takes out all the pomp and circumstance out of these recruiting visits. It's not worth their time. And it's not worth the coaching staff's time to bring them all the way to Jacksonville, Florida, to go see the game. Yes, it's historic. Yes, you know, it's, it's an atmosphere unlike any other. You know, the, o, the OU, the Red River rivalry, and, you know, the largest outdoor cocktail party have two different atmospheres and have two different unique histories behind them. But as Dan's already said, Kirby Smart is about, Kirby Smart is going to do what's best for his program. But at the end of the day, the decision is not going to come down to Kirby Smart. The decision is not going to come down to the University of Georgia. It's going to come down to the University of Florida and the University of Georgia. Both schools and their administrations are going to have to make the decision. And that's what Kirby Smart's point was when sparring with Tim Tebow. It was, you know, he can't get a Florida coach to agree with him. Just can't do it. He's had Jim McElwain and, and Dan Mullen. Both of them well, can't, didn't, didn't agree with Kirby Smart. The Who is the AD before the current one? Was it Foley? Florida, yeah. So Foley was kind of on the bandwagon of let's look at moving this game, and uh, he's gone. So obviously that doesn't matter anymore. So I there are people in Florida who want that game on campus, um, but at the same time, the Florida fans aren't angry about it because it's literally right down the road. It would be like us having to drive to the Benz to go watch the game. So like it's a home game for them. So they're not, I mean, they get a home game against Georgia every single year. So they don't want to move the game. So, you know, in that regard, it's going to be very difficult. So, you know, I think the way that this, this ends up getting moved is if Senke gets involved. Absolutely. I'm, I'm interested, you know, Kirby, we're going to talk about it a little bit later in the show. Kirby just got that new contract, that 10 year, $112 million contract is going to make him the highest paid coach in all of college football, by the way. Sorry, Nick Saban. If only you had your two best receivers, as I saw in that meme uh, that's been flying around um, Twitter today. You know, but we're, we're going to see. Maybe there are some assurances in that contract that Kirby Smart got from Georgia. Hey, you know, I want this game moved. You're going to push to get this game moved. You know, but at the end of the day, like we've already said, it's going to come down to two schools to do it. I, you know, Dan, I don't mind that four, that four, uh, that four year rotation where you rotate it between the four options, you know. Kirby Smart made that a point when he was talking to Tim Tebow. Call up your AD. Tell him to come play him in Atlanta. Um, and, and like Rude says down here, honestly, I, you know, he doesn't have an opinion on it. Um, and to him, it doesn't really matter. And I think to the only ones that it matters to is, you know, the game going fans. Because there is, you know, there is a good chunk of the fan base that goes to every game. But there's also a good chunk of the fan base that doesn't go to every game because they've gotten used to watching it from the couch. I mean, to me, as someone who covers the game virtually, you know, who has covered the game, you know, from the comfort of my own home, it's nice to be able to walk to the fridge and grab something, you know, whether it's to eat or to drink. It's nice having to go out to, to cookout. Robert, if you're listening, I know you're a big cookout fan. Nice to go to cookout, <laughs> bring it back, and eat it at, you know, while I'm watching the game and working. It is nice. But then, <laughs> you know, going go, going to the games and having that atmosphere, there's nothing else like it. So, so Dan, I think me and you both agree here. I mean, we're cool with anything. I mean, yeah, the split aspect of it is is awesome. Yeah, I, listen, it's it's um it's a it's a fun game. 
and you've never experienced it down in Jacksonville, you should absolutely go. It is in a uh, Jacksonville is in a much better place now than it was in the nineties when I was going every year. And in the early two thousands, when I was going every year, it was, it was not great. Um, but they've done a lot of upgrades and things have gotten nicer. They built all those nice hotels across the river. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. If you've never been, you've got to go at least once. Uh, and you know, especially now that George is whooping that ass and I would recommend going now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And I was going to laugh because you brought up cookout. And then on Jeremiah and Jonathan's show, they said last week, oh, here we go. Harrison with the uh, with the cookout reference. All right, guys. Uh, yeah. with the, I'm sorry. I don't know if Robert you haven't seen him in the comments. Usually he's in the comments. Um, and I got Jeremiah Soddard on my butt in the comments now. But, Dan, um, thank you for showing that on the screen. I was going to ignore that and move this thing along. But, Dan, that is going to bring us um, – 13 minutes in to your topic of the week, Dan Kylie's rant of the week. I don't know if it, I, I wouldn't say he's angry about this one, but I think no, I am. Thinking, oh, he is. Okay. So it is something he's angry about guys. So get your popcorn out. It's actually a really, really good subject because everyone's talking about it. All right. So I need you to stay with me here on this. Okay. So we're going to ramp this thing up. All right. So last year we were introduced to NIL recruiting. Okay. It was the first time that, and that paying these guys was legal, and we didn't really know how it was going to play out. So everybody's kind of recruiting and talking and, and moving stuff along. Then all of a sudden you start hearing these rumors about USC. Hey, we're going to give you all this stuff if you come out here. Then Texas A&M, we're going to give you all this stuff. Miami's got the lawyer Ruiz down there giving out money. And all of a sudden you started to see the top 10 classes, recruiting classes, starting to look a little bit different than they had in the past. All of a sudden, Texas A&M pops with this greatest recruiting class of all time, right? So it was our first introduction to it. We really don't know how it's going to change from year to year. Uh, there really hasn't been any changes from year one to year two, so everything's kind of status quo for right now. However, all those big promises, the reshaping of classes, we're starting to hear whispers, and I'm not going to say what schools or what players, even though you can Google them and they're out there. But Harrison says not to do it yet. So um, I don't want to get him in trouble or me in trouble. So there's starting to be rumors that a lot of these promises that were made to these kids to sign aren't being kept. You know, there's particular superstar players who may be transferred into your school who were promised a truckload of money. Maybe they didn't get it. So, you know, are these promises being kept? And, and Kirby kind of hit on it on his talk uh, at the SEC Media Days. Is he said our, uh, you know, we're using Classic City Collective, and what we our model is sustainable. And he said what these other schools are doing isn't sustainable. And he, that was a very vague uh, mention that maybe some of these kids who are made a lot of promises aren't getting paid you know they're not fulfilling so you know that there, there's that angle and then you know the one thing that kirby didn't necessarily say uh in the interview but what he's talked about is paying all this money to unproven players he brought up the fact that 95 players inside of his program have nil deals okay what he doesn't want to do is get into a bidding war for a high school student athlete. And I know Jonathan Jeremiah covered this a little bit as well. Okay. He doesn't want to get in the bidding war for all these things. 
And all of this in my head, and please, dear God, I hope everybody watching the show has seen the movie Above the Rim. Okay? There's a scene in the movie Above the Rim where Tupac, whose character's name is Birdie, is recruiting Kyle. That's Dwayne. Um, oh, my gosh. Dwayne. Um, it doesn't matter. Uh, the actor who plays Kyle. And he's recruiting him to play for his street basketball team. And they're in this nightclub. And there's women all around. There's alcohol around. And Birdie breaks out the cash. And he starts to hand him money. He's like, bro, I, I'm good. I don't need that money. He's like, bro, everything costs. Everything costs. Right? So even while he's recruiting him, he's telling him, there's a cost for everything. Like, I'm going to give you all this money, but I expect something back in return. You know, in, in the movie reference, like, bro, if you don't produce, I'm going to kill you. And he doesn't. And at the end of the movie, bro tries to whack him, right? So this is my biggest fear right now. And I brought it up and people laugh at me and say whatever, okay? So the big business and the super rich donors, they don't scare me. They don't make me feel uncomfortable. Let's say... Uh, or oh, Harrison Reno is uh, you know, got 400 billion dollars and he wants to give UGA 20 million dollars a year in an endowment, yeah. And then you know, he's like, Hey, listen, you need eight million dollars for this kid, okay, you got it, right? That guy doesn't care because he wants his money to go back to school, right? But once you live long enough and you've been around people in business, you realize there's shady people in all sorts of businesses. All you got to do is go watch one of those. Uh, you know, true crime TV shows where, I mean, crazy stuff happens every day for not for nothing serious, nothing serious at all. Well, you got some of these guys running around that, you know, they want to be affiliated with these schools. Like this was one of the biggest fears at Miami back in the day. Uh, what the hell is so funny? All right. All right. Let me hold a couple of dollars, Harry. All right. So, you know, back in the day when Uncle Luke and a lot of them folks from, uh, NWA or not NWA, but um, you know, they got involved with University of Miami. A lot of people were scared that that gang environment was gonna take the life of one of their players. Okay, so I've gone a long way, but what my biggest fear is right now is there are shady people everywhere, and my biggest fear is that these people want to be involved with the school and they want to donate their money. But why do they want to do it? It's because they want to win and they want to be the guy, right? They want that attention. They want that smoke where. You know, they're like, yeah, yeah, we won a national title, but we did it because of me and because I got that guy. I got that guy, right? What happens when that guy uses the money that he has? It doesn't get results. Damn shame what happened to Flip. Yeah, with that being said, I mean, there, if you want to go find out what Dan's talking about, what schools, what players are talking about, go check your, your nearest message boards. It's all over. You can search it up. I mean, there were some transfers this offseason. There were some commitments this last cycle. That guy has everyone buzzing because, you know, that NIL money didn't hit that bank account. That NIL money hasn't hasn't hit their pockets. So if you want to go figure out what, what Dan's talking about, who's Dan's talking about, because um, we, we won't name names because we can't. There hasn't been enough reporting on it to make it seem, you know, confirmed just yet for my comfortability um, and for our comfortability to say what names. But if you want to go find out, all you got to do is hit a quick Google search. But with that being said, Dan, we're going to go from right from one NIL segment to the next. And this is all about a big misrepresentation, you know, because what is everyone talking about after, you know, Kirby smart 
Tuesday was at a Texas high school coaches convention where he was the basically a keynote speaker um, and answered some questions and had a question and answer section um, with these coaches. And basically, I, I don't know what the point of going to this convention was because all of it just leaked out into media. Um, or maybe not leak is the right word, but it seems like everything's all on the internet now, um, in, including, you know, a basically a – Kirby admitted or confessed that he was ready to resign after last June's just 24-hour, you know, nonstop uh, recruiting. I mean, just the the life the life that they were living of the coaches, you know, where they were basically recruiting sun up to sun down on campus. That was getting to be too much for Kirby and, and blah blah blah. But we'll we'll come to that back. We'll come back to that maybe another time, another day. I think we've already talked about it. But the main point was Kirby's already made some comments regarding NIL and the problems that he sees in that. Um, and now it's making headstream uh, mainstream news. Uh, and I'm gonna read you the quotes. And I'm gonna read you some quotes from Shannon Sharp, everyone's favorite Fox Sports personality. Um, but here's Kirby Smart's comments. He says, um, talking about NIL. Well, he might deserve that if he earns it. Um, if he goes out there and plays, I'm all for taking care of guys that have been part of the program and start and play. It's a reverse system right now where the bottom coming in is getting rewarded more than the top going out. And that's tough. He adds, what I can't accept is some young man. This is a different quote, kind of out of context. What I can't accept is some young man getting $10,000 a month for four years or three years of college. That's $120,000 a year. What you what do you think he's going to do with that? Is that actually going to make is that actually going to make him more successful in life? Because I promise you, if you handed me ten thousand dollars a month, my freshman year of college, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. That comment right there, to me, there's nothing wrong with what he said. He's just stating something, his opinion, and giving a little, you know, backstory into how he would have handled it. What's going on? Um, that that has drawn ire. Uh, Wednesday, Wednesday morning uh, on Undisputed, their debate show on Fox Sports, you know, Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless. Shannon Sharp just had a full-on rebuke. Went and, you know, basically tried to go after Kirby Smart saying, and I quote, these college coaches, Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney, got no problem with coaches' salaries going from 5 to 6 to 8, 10, 12 million dollars a year. Then he adds, and I quote, but the players get a little bit of money. So what that all means is all the Dodge Chargers and Challengers and the back alley deals that y'all have been doing ain't going to be good enough anymore. Basically saying, hey, you know, all these coaches, Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, and Dabo Sweeney are upset because they can't cheat is what he's basically saying. Then he goes on, Dan. Here's, here's what really irks me. And says, he says, if he was a recruit today, he'd hire a tax attorney and then begin negotiating with schools. Dan, when I read that, I don't know about you, but when I read Kirby Smart's comments... I don't see anything that, that suggests Kirby Smart is anti-NIL or anti-players making money. Because he even says in a quote um, that ESPN put out in an article they put, I uh, forgot to put the link in here, um, he said he was a big advocate for players making money off their name, image, and likeness. But here's the key word in what he's talking about. When he talks about you know a reverse system, when he talks about the ones coming in, the bottom coming in, and getting rewarded more than the top going out is he talking? He's talking about these kids out of high school. He's talking about the freshmen coming into the program. You know, there's going to be a quarterback. I think it was uh, there's going to be a player in college football, and, and I think we all know who it is uh, and what school that's going to be making millions of dollars before even stepping on campus in the fall next year. That's ridiculous. That's insane. He's going to be making more money than some people do in a 
two to three year NFL career as a career backup or as a career practice squad player, that is a college freshman making that money. But here's the key word. Kirby Smart is not against college athletes making money. Key word is college athletes. Not high school, not middle school, not great league, college athletes. So Shannon Sharp is a fool, and he says dumb stuff all the time. But he uses this opportunity to go after Listen, there's just no other way to say it. He uses this opportunity to go after white coaches every single time, trying to make a, a racist statement about a white coach and, and black athletes. And it's it's absurd. It's 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 racist, to be completely honest. And and it's I, I'm over it. And in this culture where you can say whatever you want to to get ratings is bullcrap. And Kirby didn't say anywhere in there that these kids shouldn't make money. And he didn't say freshmen can't make money. His whole point was he wasn't going to get into a a battle on the recruiting trail trying to pay somebody money that he's never just never stepped foot on campus or earned a dime of it. And you know, Shannon Sharp talking about these kids being so poor that you know his mama, his grandmama fed their whole family on $297 a month. And you know, and he's like, what would $10,000 do to me? You know, whatever. I, I get it. But Kirby said that too. He talked about uh, a young man on his program used an NIL deal to pay for dialysis for his grandfather. Otherwise, he would have to quit school and go down there work. He talked about Dan Jackson using his NIL deal to pay for his uh, education because he doesn't have a scholarship. He talked about Brock Bowers has probably got one of the highest uh, NIL, NIL deals in the entire country as a freshman. He talked about Keely Ringo being the number one corner. He talked about Jordan Davis being the number one defensive lineman. He is not against these kids making money. Okay, he's against giving money to people who hadn't done nothing. And I saw Harrison's or uh, Jeremiah's comments talking about guys coming into your company making more, and that it happens every day, and it absolutely does. It happens in my company. I mean, you got guys coming in making. $20,000, $30,000 more than me with less experience than me can't do the job worth of shit. And we ended up firing them in a couple months. But you know what? Like my, my father-in-law always said, uh, and my father-in-law is a, a extremely wealthy businessman, done a lot of great things in his life. And the positions he held would blow your mind. However, he said two things to me, you're worth what you negotiate. And there's no such thing as loyalty anymore. He's, you know, he talked about, you know, uh, well, my grand, my grandfather, for example, was an executive at General Mo General Motors. He came home from World War II and he worked uh, for General Motors until he was in his 80s. And he retired after, I think, uh, whew, almost 50 years uh, at GM. Yeah, I think that's right. Almost 50 years. And uh, he got a watch, a Rolex. I mean, I, he was well paid and, and made plenty of money, but got a Rolex like. And, you know, in, in my business, you know, if if I stay where I'm at, I'm not going to make any more money, but I could leave tomorrow and bounce and just go make as much money as I want. It just jumping from company to company because there's no such thing as loyalty anymore. But, you know, it's a little bit different. I see we have a, a um, we're t calling an audible. Oh, we're going four wide. It's happening. It's happening. <laughs> Dan, I texted both of them today and i told him let's surprise dan dan doesn't know and i decided 
to hit up the boys, hit up the four musketeers, as our group chat is called. And, you know, there's there's some news making um, aside from football that we had to get some opinions on. Because, Dan, you know, we watch this show. If you watch this show, you know, guys, there's always some. That's real. (laughs) (laughs) There's always a food talk. They've talked about French fries, curly fries, to be exact. They talked about Bucky's. They talked about gas station food. But, guys, there was some a new invention. Will Levis, it was revealed, breaking news, oh. puts mayonnaise in his coffee. So, guys, let's welcome in the Classic City Sports Podcast, Jonathan Williams, Jeremiah Stoddard, whichever one of you, tag team it. Let's tag team it. Um, I'm going to let one of y'all pick. Let's get some takes going around uh, and then hit Dan. <laughs> uh, well, here, I'll start it off. I think that. There should be a show cause put in place for Will Levis for any time an NFL GM comes in and asks him, hey, we're looking at you to come on our NFL roster. He has to show them that video of him dumping. And we're not even talking about doing a little salt bay with mayonnaise in his coffee. This man is squirting it through a bottle of mayonnaise, just putting tons of it in a little cup of coffee. There needs to be a show cause put in place for him where he's to show everybody that because that is blasphemous. That does not belong in the locker room. That is a distraction and is a horrid distraction. That is, There is no place in the world for someone putting mayonnaise in their coffee. Stodfather, go. I'm just saying. like that just That just screams like you were like, 10 years old and you wanted a cup of coffee and like you're so used to putting creamer in it and then all of a sudden your mom's like hey we ran out of creamer and you're like here this is in the fridge let me just give this a go and you just throw freaking mayonnaise in your coffee who in their right mind is gonna put mayonnaise in their coffee that's insane I don't even drink coffee, okay so I don't like coffee I don't like the way coffee did I don't even drink wait a minute Okay, hold on. Listen, that's a whole other subject, my man. My wife drinks coffee, but she has to have creamers and hazelnut creamer, vanilla creamers, all these types of things. I I have drinking coffee. I have drunk coffee. I don't. You know what I'm saying? I've consumed. I've drank coffee. coffee. (laughs) And but I don't know how. Like I don't know how you get to know how you like it. But at no point in my entire life of trying to consume coffee, of trying to figure out how I might like it. Did I ever consider, ever, ever consider putting mayonnaise in it? Oh! Do y'all yeah, know what's no. in mayonnaise? Do y'all know the ingredients eggs. of mayonnaise? It's like eggs. Why right? would I know the ingredients it's, of mayonnaise? It's eggs and oil. What? That's that's oh. all that mayonnaise is. It's just oh. eggs and oil. So there's oh. not even like there's an ingredient that people occasionally put in coffee. It's eggs and oil. Eggs do not belong in coffee. Oil essentially does not belong in coffee so why would you combine them and put it in like this clumpy substance in your coffee like it doesn't even like mix well i can't even i don't know how you even stir mayonnaise into your coffee because it's got to look like just spoiled no, milk you dumped into your coffee no did you see the video if you watched the video when he put it in there it did not mix in all the way it was clumps galore who it's is gotta be a scam there? right there's That's no way be... this man actually does it i i now, have a hard time i watched it. him do it i know <laughs> but come on man to, to me, it looks, like, it. it looks like Listen, it looks like the looks like if they did that uh, as butter. a scam and they made him take a sip of that, like that man deserves every dollar that was thrown at him because that had to be God. Maybe he's awful. just trying to get a miracle whip in IL deal, man. I don't know. Like that, there's a little gimmick there. He's a little different. I don't. I have no idea. I I sure as hope it's not real and that they he were just did like something weird last year, didn't he? There was a video of him last year, like consuming something. That was like weird. I, I swear to God, like he. This is not the first time we've seen something weird about him consuming a product like coffee with mayonnaise in it. 
I swear to God, there's. I'm gonna Google it. I don't know. Uh, guys, it's like you know, to me, it, it, it's just the clumpiness. It, he stirred it and didn't get anything. Like it, it didn't make any change. But you know, before before we close this all out, I do want to thank Jeremiah and Jonathan for joining us. I texted them. It was a last minute thing, but I also have something. We do have something to announce. If you did not join us last Saturday for our um, talking SEC ball, we are hosting weekend Twitter Spaces. This week, it's going to be on Sundays at, I think it's 1230, we all agreed. We haven't come up with a name just yet. We haven't actually entered the Twitter space into the system, but that is coming up tonight. Guys, joining us every weekend, we're talking SEC football. We're talking Big 12. We're talking Pac-12. We're talking ACC. We're talking college football every weekend. Dan couldn't make us last week, but real quick, Dan, you didn't tell me until after last, last week's show. My man Dan hid the fact that it was his birthday. The day, uh, the week, it was his birthday week last week. It didn't tell us. He told the four of us after the show. So I do want to say on behalf of the Tough Dog Talk, on half of everyone listening, on half of Jonathan Williams, Jeremiah Stoddard, happy belated birthday, Dan. Dan, I know you got something to say real quick um, before we all um, call it a night. All right, two things. One, I am repping my USA shirt, which I did last week. So you can call me out and wear the same shirt two weeks in a row. But... <laughs> Uh, my buddy Asa Newell played for the USA and they won the gold medal in the summer under 17 game. So I was trying to represent that last week and I forgot to mention it. And two, uh, listen to your guys' show because I had to bail at the end of your show last night and I heard your King of the Hill segment. And I just have to touch on that for two seconds because, you know, uh, Jeremiah started with baseball being the hardest to make it into a professional roster. And I was 100% on board. And then Jonathan brought in the NBA and then started to think about it. So I was thinking about this all day today. And Jeremiah, you know I love you, and I agree with you 100%. However, Jonathan brings up a very valid point. If you look at the NBA draft, only about 10 or 12 of those guys are on the NBA roster, and then the rest of them you never hear about ever again. And there's so little turnover in the NBA right now and so such small roster sizes that trying to get on an NBA roster is – Damn next to impossible these days. So you're both right. I just have to say, I know that it's not fair. You guys want a winner, but you cop out. You cop out. Let me let me let me just go ahead and add this in because I understand like the the point of Jonathan's argument the other day, yesterday, was the fact that there are a limited number of spots, and then you see these guys go in maybe into the G League and then they never get heard of again. There are 620 people that were drafted into the NBA or into the MLB last year. Or this year, like a couple days ago, this draft just happened. There are 750 spots in the MLB. So there is like 90% of like the MLB was drafted this year as well. So I don't think that there's that many more people going into the NBA or trying to go to the NBA that there are in the MLB. I think it's pretty correlative. Like yeah. it's, it's relative, at least, that there are that many people trying to go into the MLB as there are spots in the MLB every single year they get drafted. Yeah, and that's why we did give since we did give Jeremiah a chance to to go to ahead. Jay Will. Let's go ahead, Jay Will. This is a this is a fair debate. Uh, so I understand that argument, but at the same time, it just comes down to numbers because yes, there was that many six hundred fifty whatever kids that were drafted into the MLB this past year. But that's also because there's a lot more roster spots. There's a bunch of farm systems that need people to replenish their farm systems because guys get taken out every single year and whatnot. 
that's not the case in the NBA. You do not have this system where you go up a stage every other year or whatnot, or you continue to develop. You're either in the NBA or you're in the G League, and that's it. And like I said on our show, if you're in the G League, odds are you are never making it onto an NBA roster. There's no thing of in the G League like there is in the MLB where it's like, yeah, you're going to hang around in the G League for a little bit. We're going to continue to develop you for two or three years, and then we'll call you up on the roster. Occasionally, a guy gets a 10-day contract, and most times those kind of flop. And Maybe it transitions to another contract, but you just don't have this gradual stage of development and then will be like you do the NBA. You're either picked to come be on the roster or you're just like, all right, yeah, like we'll see what happens. But uh, more than likely, you're not going to be on our team. Well, one of the kids that I coached, his brother is a guy named Elijah Bryant. And Elijah Bryant um, was playing in the EuroLeague and he signed your 10-day contract at the end of the season last year with the Milwaukee Bucks. He ended up starting for them and playing the end of the season. He ended up winning a uh, NBA championship on that roster. And now he's back in the EuroLeague and just won the EuroLeague championship, got MVP, all that other stuff. But, I mean, what does the man have to do to stick in the NBA? I mean, he he was scoring 20-something points a game in, for the Bucks during towards the end of the season – uh, obviously only played in mop-up duty in the in the playoffs obviously um but you know i it's 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 incredibly difficult and i think jeremiah's point was that if you look at it percentage wise they they're pretty much equal in that sense so that's why i'm saying you're both right because it, it's become extremely difficult on both ends and the percentage wise it's almost the same so, hey, it was my whole point of bringing this up was that was a hell of a king of the hill. That was probably my favorite one you've had so far. Second time they've only argued. It, well, they didn't really argue that much. I'm trying, man. <laughs> no, it was the second good, time they didn't agree. Segment. I'll give that. I give credit to Jay or to Jay Will on this because it was a great segment on there. My argument of it is 82 percent of MLB rosters was drafted this year just a couple days ago. 82 percent of it. And that's, like that's, that's how it is just as competitive as the, it, like, as the oh, NBA. No, yeah, it's I just don't disagree. smaller numbers of it in the draft, but like it's relative as far as the percentage of number of players that were drafted this year in the MLB relative to the number of players that were in drafted in the NBA this year. I think it's relative in that sense. It's different. There's Absolutely. a lot bigger number, but it's, it's still, there's maybe more spots, but it's just as competitive in my opinion. Fair enough. I think NBA is just is competitive as well. I think it's kind of a push, in my opinion. That's yeah. my opinion, though. That's why, well, like, that's why Dan is saying it's a tie. I mean, it's a push. I think it's, it's a push. It's, well, it's a great argument. I won last week, though. That's all I'm saying. Well, what's funny? Pineapple what's funny does not is, deserve to be on pizza. That's all I'm saying. What's funny is you know, can't jar Jake, um, who who is one of the hosts of the the Baxter Street Pot uh, Boys podcast, um, said you know. The MLB, I think it was him. MLB draft, the MLB draft is so mid because you know you you hear about this the next Mike Trout, the next Clayton Kershaw, then they disappear for the rest of the time. Um, you know, so I, of course, I, it takes four years for them to show up because yeah. it takes four years. There's guys that don't make their the first appearance into the MLB until they're 34 years old. Your your career is basically under wraps, and you got guys making their MLB debut at that point. That's crazy. Was it? There was it's a guy insane. for the Phillies. There was a guy for the Phillies this year that has been in the M, like MILB, the minor league baseball, for like nine years. Literally, yeah. He just uh, made his MLB. He was the first overall pick, and he just now. It was like nine years later that well, he made his MLB debut. He had a little drug issue and and some other issues, but uh, yeah, that's uh, for sure. But the the Haw- the uh, the Braves had somebody that was thirty four that made their major league debut this year. But there's you know there's a lot of them. Um, there's a lot of them, guys. There just really is. And 
Um, I mean, like, listen, can you name the last player who started in the big leagues without playing any minor league baseball? No. No. I think it's Horner. Bob Horner. What was the question? Didn't even know that. I honestly didn't even know one existed, to be honest. <laughs> I, I, I missed I want, the question. I want to say, oh, who was the last major league baseball player to debut in the major leagues without playing any minor league baseball? Without he, playing minor league yeah, baseball? Yeah, and I think it was Bob Horner. Um, there may be one yeah, more recent. Um, Bryce Harper maybe have been another one because he played. He, no, he, he played in the he played in AAA at least a little bit. No, he played in the independent pro league. He skipped college and went and played in a printed ah. pro league. Maybe so, so. Maybe Bryce Harper. I don't know. But it's interesting, so, nonetheless. Absolutely. Guys, like we said earlier um, in the show, we put up the banner. Shout out to the Classic City Sports Podcast. You can go oh, search them on any podcasting platform. Also, we're not done with the plugs, Jay. Well, we got their Ooh, Twitter handles right. from left to right. Um, as Hell on the yeah. screen. At Doctor underscore J Wolf. He is not a doctor, but he did take a he, he took a psychology class. Maybe one sure. maybe one day. Maybe one day. <laughs> you may get his doctorate in football. We'll see. <laughs> then you got at the Stodfather, which is one of the best Twitter handles I've seen. Um, and before we wrap up the show, gotta put the plug down there. Make sure you follow Dan Colley at Dan Colley3 on Twitter. Follow me at Harrison Reno. Guys, catch us Sunday at 12:30 p.m. in the afternoon for a little Twitter space. It's CFP talking season, boys. I'll see you next. We'll Hold see on. you next week. This is so disappointing that I don't know how to create banners because I was going to put on there. We are truly the more interactive show. <laughs> He's not wrong. <laughs> Jeremiah, you have something. We're first of all, up? first of all, we interact with our comments every time. I don't want to hear that. First of all, second of all, I forgot to go back to Will Levis, right? He's not just, this isn't the first weird thing that he's done. I just checked my, my reference real quick. He's also, don't forget, he's the guy that eats the peel of the banana. He Bench eats the him. peel Bench of the right banana. Now. Bench him right now. There's like, the... <laughs> he eats the peel of a banana, and he puts mayonnaise in his coffee. Like, uh, he, come he, on. Undraftable. 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 Hey, Draft I, stock is plummeting as we speak. <laughs> oh my gosh! Hey, I'm oh. not liking. I'm not liking this dictator version of Harrison where we have to be out under. He wanted to get out at 30 minutes. We're at 40 minutes, minutes, and I'm having a blast. <laughs> hey, right. hey! It's all about the audience experience. The shorter we go, the more they hopefully watch. But Ask guys, our audience is in the room right now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, guys, thank you for joining us. We will see you next week, next Tuesday. Um, if anything else, unless anything else changes, guys, that's Dan Kelly. That was Jonathan Williams, Jeremiah Sodder of the Classic City Sports Podcast. We'll see you next week for episode fifty-one.